welcome to Rock and Roll Film Club, a podcast about music biopics. I'm Kathleen Mahoney. I'm Ryan Major. And today we're talking about Behind the Candelabra. again so you can all shout hey okay Uh, Behind the Candelabra was released in 2013 and dramatizes the last 10 years of the pianist Liberace's life and his relationship with with Scott Thornson. The movie was directed by Steven Soderbergh, stars Michael Douglas as Liberace, and Matt Damon as Scott Thornson. And Ryan, I think this might be the most recent movie that we've discussed so far. I believe, oh, you know what? I feel like CBGB may have been, what, 2014? Uh, it was like 2012. It's either that or this. Yeah, it's real close to CBGB either way. But I mean, this this one definitely felt fresher. Yeah, yes, I agree. <laughs> and it's better. Yes. Um, and today on the podcast, we have our friend Kira Horowitz. Hello, Kira. Hi. Kira. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you. Um, and Kira was a member of the Union Square Roundtable and is very funny, friends with some of our friends as well. And I really enjoyed when we were emailing about what movie to discuss. Um, Kira said that she treated beha- Behind the Candelabra like most people treated at the finale of Game of Thrones. It was like, yes, we will discuss that movie with you. Same network. <laughs> I, I found an old Facebook um, message that said, I, I, I hope there's a Behind the Candelabra too. The further adventures of Scott Thornson. Yeah. And there are. There certainly are, but Yeah. 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 <laughs> or I don't know, um, Liberace's life as a as an angel or whatever happened at the very end. And, oh my gosh, uh, what if he's an angel and he helps people solve their problems? <laughs> I don't think he would though. I think that he would appear to people and like make them feel good about themselves briefly by like being superficially kind. But in reality, he would be the dominant, he would, he would be the dominant party, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like. His catchphrase would be like, I give and I give and I give. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you appreciate me? Right, no one's yeah. problem gets resolved. So uh, also one thing notable about this was, this is the first telefilm we've watched. Mm. Yeah, good HBO. point. Yeah, um, one thing, I mean, I think that uh, compared to this one looked a little bit classier, you know, you get the Soderbergh touch, but uh, it definitely felt like an HBO movie. You know, I felt like somebody from The Wire should have popped up in a minor role in there. Well, actually, it was like a solid, like... Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I don't think that was by design. Like, I read that Soderbergh, you know, filmed the movie, and I think it was, like, playing in festivals and stuff. Um, and I can understand why... Maybe it's not cinematic enough for a multiplex release. And things like the gay stuff that, you know, 
I, I mean, it was shortly after Brokeback Mountain, you know, another obviously like the mainstream like gay film or whatever, but. Yeah, I don't think it was too hot to touch in 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it did, it does have like a very, um, I, I don't know, TV feel. Sorry, I, I just watched the, you know, there's the, there's the one where Robert De Niro plays um, uh, Bernie Madoff. Oh, I haven't seen that. Similar kind of vibes. This is this is kind of better, um, <laughs> but you could you could probably show them back to back and be like, yeah, okay, yeah, same network airs these. Um, did you guys see it when it came out? Well, Kira, you very uh, clearly did. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> I I did shortly after, but um, I remembered a lot of the broad strokes, but uh, I it was it was good to see it again. Yeah. Had you seen it before, Kathleen? Yeah, I also saw it around the time it came out, but I'm glad I re- well, obviously I was going to rewatch it, but <laughs> definitely did not remember enough about it. Um, Although you did suggest that you thought I was going to try to coast by on memory. Yeah, as of this afternoon, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan hadn't watched it yet. And I'm a busy I was man. Saying that <laughs> <laughs> I saw this, I saw most of this seven years ago. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. Right, right. People definitely want to hear what I have to say about this movie. I'll, I'll lead the discussion based on my memory of this movie. Totally. Um, like one glance at IMDb. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Media. Honestly, though, like I didn't notice it was Dan Aykroyd till like halfway through with Seymour. I'm like, wait a minute. Those glasses just. <laughs> I loved it. I, uh, if, if we ever get to the profoundly mediocre James Brown biopic, they have Dan Aykroyd at roughly the same age playing roughly the same character. Interesting. You know, I've not seen that. You got to work, yeah. right? Old fat Dan Aykroyd <laughs> just getting typecast as record executives and music business types. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The shoe fits, like right? Seventh build. Um, yeah. I mean, if that keeps him from making another Blues Brothers tour album, yeah. whatever, like, that's fine with me. I mean, between that yeah. and the the uh, the the Crystal Head vodka yeah, the and the vodka. UFO conspiracy oh, theories, yeah. like, if anything, Dan Aykroyd needs more hobbies. Yeah, well, also um, House of Blues. I mean, don't they all cash in on every House of Blues location? I think. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd's a millionaire. Yeah, he's fine. He doesn't need to do this this role anymore. Um, all right, so real quick, by way of like the real history, the, re the real Liberace, um, he was born Vladzu Valentino Liberace in 1919 and he lived until 1987. His career as a pianist and singer lasted four decades and during the peak of his fame in the 1950s, he was the highest paid entertainer in the world. He made uh, classical music accessible to mainstream audiences by weaving in pop themes, but also obviously through his costumes and stage sets. And he fought allegations of homosexuality for decades, winning libel suits in the 50s and 60s. And he eventually died of AIDS, which we'll get to in our discussion. And um, this movie is largely based on Scott Thornson's memoir, which he wrote in 2008. And Scott Thorson was <clears throat> his lover, who is played by Matt Damon in the movie. Um, yeah, I think that's it by way of yeah, facts. That's, <laughs> you know, watching it, it struck me, compared to most movies we watched so far, how comparatively little I know about Liberace. Yes, I agree. I agree. Quite the showman. Quite really carved out his own niche, didn't he? 
It's beautiful. His shows are, well, here's the thing that I came away this time, not thinking about last time. I don't know if Liberace was good at piano or not. Yes. Oh, I was totally, yeah. I was totally thinking about that, that it really was, he sort of like innovated that flashy showmanship that would totally go on to like influence, I mean, probably Elvis and like Elvis, Elvis's like sequined suits and, um, you know, really entertain or like adding that entertainment element to. Yeah, like, I see Elton John, I see mm -hmm. Mercury. And then the whole idea of just having a Vegas residency is still a very, after years of it being sort of like a, a has-been thing to do, it seems like a very viable career option for big pop stars who don't feel like going out on the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And that must have been pretty early in terms of like Vegas yeah, residencies. I mean, yeah, didn't Vegas like just when, become a city and or like the casino city and probably around that time. Like, like whenever it stopped being like completely the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, to what degree do we associate the image of the glitz and glamour of Vegas shows with Liberace? And to what degree do we associate Liberace with the glitz and glamour? Ooh. <laughs> I would say that goes one way for me, probably. I don't know. One thing that I kind of liked about this movie, um, and I mean, I guess if you guys are right, we can start like getting into the plot, is how it starts relatively late in the game, like it's 20 years into Liberace's career. Yes. Um, but yeah, let's get into, get into the plot, shall we? Um, so, yeah, so the movie is like totally through Scott. Scott's eyes and again, Scott's relationship with him, um, you know, the movie like begins with kind of w showing what Scott's life was beforehand and what year was it, like 1977. He is this young, supposedly teenager, played by a 42 year old. We have to talk about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's never really clear to we me. We have to talk about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I get it. He's a great actor. He, he does a great job in the role, but I mean. We know Soderbergh loves him. He's, right, and, and that's what I have to think about the whole time. I'm like, oh, when you, when you make a movie, you don't, sometimes, if you've made a lot of movies, I get the sense that later on, you don't care so much about like, what happens after the movie comes out. It's about how much fun or how enjoyable of an experience you have with the people who make it. Yeah. And yeah, of course you want to cast your friends, even though they're 20 <laughs> it's years older than the Decades too old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what kind of movie would this have been? How would it have affected my or any member's sense of it to see the if an actual 18-year-old person Right. Was meeting Michael Douglas as Liberace. Oh, that would, that would have been. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would have changed everything. We would have had, like, we wouldn't have even be able to appreciate Liberace's charm and charisma because that's why we like him. We set aside his narcissism and his creepy relationships and his hypocrisy and everything because he's he's fun we like him. yeah but but the, if we watched a movie where he's preying upon a, a teenager yeah. it would probably be a lot 
harder to yeah i guess it kind of helps with the likability factor but but yeah probably like not the right move but especially if we had like a younger actor who is more of an unknown which to kind of i don't know because that's what scott thorson was oh yeah you know part of their power differential is well it is fame i guess but um yeah i don't know you know, the, the, I'd say um, a big parallel to Scott's story, also in the fact that it's taken from his book, is if we think back a couple weeks ago to Great Balls of Fire, mm. Scott is Winona Ryder. Matt Damon is Winona Ryder. Yes. Except in this movie, it's actually from his perspective, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, it's interesting to see a movie again where it's like from someone else's perspective, but about that person. Um, it, I don't know, it's, it's a cool framing device. It reminded me of the movie, um, The End of the Tour. Have you guys seen that? Oh yeah, yeah, that's oh, yeah. Uh, the David Foster Wallace Yeah, one. yeah, it's like a similar type of thing where it's like someone who's not famous is encountering someone who is, and then they have like this intimate time together. and what comes of that. Oh, I, I do have one thing to say about like the setting of the movie and how we're introduced yeah. to it. I think that it makes a lot of sense for if we're in 1977 to first see Liberace through the eyes of a young gay man, because there is an audience full of people watching him who don't recognize the cues that now we think of as like as queer or femme tendencies. Uh, or just like flamboyant, like gay man type material. Um, so it makes so in that sense, we're more like young hip Matt Damon as a as a teenager as a, yeah, being able who to walks in is just just like, isn't this too gay for everyone? Yeah, and uh, and his buddy's like, they don't know. Yeah, well, so let's 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 set that up. <laughs> so again, so we meet Scott Thurston. He's working in animal training in Hollywood. He lives with his cool former um, like foster parents, I guess, again, which also looks really weird that he's like this 40 year old actor who's like, uh, This really changes everything about how I just watched this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think they should have cast like a boy band <laughs> yeah, totally. kid and it would have been more accurate. But I mean, I think Spielberg was like, I want my friend Matt Damon to be in it. Yeah. Matt Damon was like, I want to show my butt a bunch. And they were like, well. This is why they get together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's so, it's so odd. Um, but yeah, so pretty, pretty um, early on in the movie, Scott meets this guy who invites him to a Liberace show. And yeah, like Ryan was saying. I want to I want to talk about that guy. Yes, let's talk about that Scott guy. Scott Bakula. What was Bob. his name? I forget. Bob. Bob. Scott Bakula cool looks amazing, first of <laughs> He does. <laughs> he looks amazing. Like, I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. They clearly put a wig on him, but he looks really good. And I didn't get, maybe I just missed it, but like, I didn't get a sense of like what his job was or who he was or how he knew Liberace. He was just... Uh, even like if he was on Liberace's payroll or, or who, how? Right. I read that that guy was actually, he was a choreographer or something. And that's how he knew Liberace. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that was not mentioned in the movie at all. He was just clearly this plot device that was like, oh, I will introduce you to like, Liberace. And yeah. 
That was giving the spectacular to be like, that's your interior. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree though, that, that he does look great and is like the most 70s looking person of. It's so good. Also, Bob, Bob's like the only like, the only one who doesn't deceive anybody he talks to. Oh yeah, he's definitely yeah. straight up with everyone. And he, oh, he's just, yeah, he's, um, if I have to pick favorites and I will. <laughs> Bob Scott Bakula forever. He Sick just, mustache. Yeah, just, I mean, later when he's in at the pool and he's like, "Why don't you just settle down and come meet me at the pool?" And I'm like, "Yes, I will yeah. come meet you at the pool." Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, just like super chill, super even keel, does yeah. not waver. <laughs> um, if only we we all had a friend like Bob. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they go to the show. It's quite the show. It's quite it's the show. It's an amazing it's got, show. It's like immediately, um, you know, just like enraptured by it and loving it. And yeah, it again is immediately recognizes Liberace as being gay, but is, you know, looking around at this crowd that's mostly women and older women. And his mom is there at that show, played by Debbie Reynolds. Um, Debbie Reynolds, who, who I, I feel like I only know from Singing in the Rain. Is that correct? I like, yes. would not have recognized her. Yeah, she's definitely. Oh, it was Either. driving me crazy. I was like, I was staring at her. I'm like, I know her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised she took the role. Um, to be honest, because it's not like the most glamorous thing for her to have done, um, but she kills it. Yeah. She could she could just be enjoying retirement. Yeah. I mean, yeah. was at the time. <laughs> really committed to it. <laughs> yeah. She really, she really oh, wanted that payout when she uh, hit big on that slot machine. Oh my God. I need a slot machine in my house. <laughs> half the time. Yeah, I keep reloading it though. That is, we learned it's a hassle. Uh, but um, as so, but we we see just a true like Liberace has a real gift with connecting to the audience as we see. It's not, he's not strictly a piano player or a singer. He's, he's an old school showbiz song and dance man. He tells jokes, he's got routines, costumes. Call and response. Got it all, yeah. yeah. Crowd yeah. work. It looks Great so cheesy, work. but it's so endearing. And it's like, everyone's yeah. into it. His mom yells at, it's just very, it's very sweet. And I think it's interesting how it's very sweet in that first opening scene. And then later on for me, it got a little like, oh God, he's been saying the same thing every day. <laughs> totally, totally just. I felt it as as time went on in the film, the same yeah. jokes and the same sort of reveals and the, and the same little uh, moments that are made to feel personal, but of course aren't because it's the same, you know, a different hundred people on vacation every day. Right. You see how you see how lonesome he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, kind of But at first we don't really have a sense for that. It you know Well it's also it, Scott's sort of view of him. You know, we're on Scott's journey. So Scott being like super impressed and wowed by him, but seeing it from the inside, yeah, again, like how rehearsed it is and how um like the sheen of all of it just sort of wears off for him as it does for us the viewer um fortunately we're not even there yet we're it's still like this is so the connection that we get is we're um what scott brings to the table is his advanced veterinary knowledge yes so and yeah, so they, they meet Liberace backstage because, yes, his friend Scott, or his friend, oh God, it's gonna, it's 
it's friend bob played by scott um b oh my gosh okay brings him backstage and there's like immediately a connection between liberace and scott liberace invites them over and there um we see a sick dog that has baby boy (laughs) baby boy who's just whose name is just baby boy so great that has even okay so so we see that although lee as liberace is usually referred to in the movie Mm -hmm. lee loves his dogs but he's not really an animal lover necessarily he says some kind of like shitty things about animals throughout but they love him they 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 give him adoration you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he's complaining about picking up their shit. At one point, he says that uh, he should have had an animal killed. I don't remember. Oh, I didn't. I didn't pick up on the the anti animal oh, yeah. sentiments. It's it's because it needs to all be about Lee. Yeah, but that's fitting. That feeding off the adoration part of it, but not really being able to ultimately nurture in return or something. Yeah, um, like the unconditional love of dogs seems nice until you have to like clean up their shit, right? Yeah. So <laughs> totally, totally. He clearly has like this big staff, and like, and all the while, I love it lurking in the background of all of these early. Everything is beautiful. Everything is exciting, and then lurking in the background is Billy Leatherwood. Yes, which is oh, such yeah. a great name. Billy Leatherwood. Great name. Great name. Yeah. Oh, so Billy Leatherwood. Uh, Lee introduces both to the audience of his performance and to us, the audience of the film, as his uh, friend and protege, which, again, to the Vegas audience is like, oh, a talented young man that Lee has taken under his wing. We see that their relationship is deeper and more complicated than that, Uh particularly when he starts casting jealous glances at Scott. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, that actor, Cheyenne Jackson, he was like in 30 Rock and stuff. But um, I love that he like barely has any lines, but just like communicates yeah. everything <laughs> with his yeah. looks, just these like evil looks at Scott. And, uh, and he's like constantly just eating a lot in a corner, which later in the movie that kind of becomes yeah. what Scott is relegated to. Um, yeah, this is a movie that makes really good use of um, shady glances, yeah. thing away, like passive aggressive <laughs> behavior. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Totally. And they're like matching glitter hairspray. I wrote I wrote it down. I was just glitter <laughs> hairspray. It's just it's so over the top that they're so clearly furious at each other, but they're wearing this matching glitter hairspray and matching outfits. Yes. No, totally. Um, yeah, and like you were saying, when they're at the house, and again, it like looks like a Enlightenment era palace. It's just like way over the top, ornate. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the the phrase that that Lee uses is palatial kitsch before indicating columns that he had brought over from Rome. Yes, yes. Um, and I was d- delighted to learn that those scenes were filmed in the mansions of um, Zsa Zsa Gabor and Siegfried and Roy, <laughs> which <Of course. laughs> makes sense on both yep. both accounts. Yep. <laughs> um, and also lurking in the background is uh, the houseboy, um, Labrachi's houseboy, who 
also seems very jaded, has clearly been there for a while, has sort of like seen it all from the inside and lets us know pretty early on that, you know, Liberace has done this before um, in terms of like bringing young men in and giving them a lot of attention and then kind of using them up and onto the next one. Yeah, it's like, it, it's played kind of for laughs, I think, at first, how little respect anyone gives Scott, except for Lee and, you know, his friend Bob. But like, at the house, he is clearly, he's another pet. Yeah, well, I, it's, I love it because I can only assume if Liberace took me into his mansion that I would get very used to asking for my fresca. Yes. With <laughs> Okay, the fresco, no, it was not just a sandwich, it was a pesto panini, which I have to say sounds like an incredibly futuristic sandwich right? for 1977, right? Panini in 77, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you make it? Do you have a panini maker? Is that a thing in 77? We brought it in See that from being, Italy. It seems yeah. to be more like an 80s thing, but that this is based on... It's like the George Foreman grill before there was one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you mean the notable how... boxer, George Foreman? <laughs> I love how quickly he gets used to it and how quickly he is just shut down by the staff there. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, so we, yeah, we should mention yeah. that like very quickly, so after their initial meeting and after... Um, Scott, you know, says he right. can get medicine for the dog. Liberace's basically like, um, no, I'll fly you back with the medicine. And then is like, do you want to be my companion and assistant? And then from there on before, out, they're just living Before he together. even gets to that, though, first off, he lays out a lot of, uh, you know, serious red flags for people who have dated before, uh, such as he complains about his miserable live-in boyfriend. Uh, Yes, yes. And that, again, like we were saying, that we get to actually see that. Now I that I know Matt Damon's supposed to be a teenager, this changes <laughs> everything. I just, I mean, what I did just you thought think? he was, I thought he was like maybe a Mormon or something. I, <laughs> he has the weird relationship with his possibly foster parents. I don't know. Uh, yeah. He seemed just... certainly naive, but. Uh, but one thing I'm grateful for is that they filmed this before that technology that they used on like Robert De Niro in that oh, movie yes. where they were like, younger. Because we, we know they would have succumbed to that and you would yeah. have had like goodwill hunting at you the whole yeah, time. Yeah, you, 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 you totally. get like muscular, like, like, uh, like movie star Matt Damon with like baby face pasted on top Although, of that walking around like a man. They did have the technology <laughs> to put Michael Douglas's face on a real piano player. Cause I was like, that's impressive. I wonder his hands and head are in the same shot. But yeah, I guess that was superimposed. But I guess yeah. the age, the age uh, um, thing is more, you know, more complicated to do. We actually, maybe just for yeah. a second, I would, <laughs> since we've spent so much time talking about Matt Damon being incredibly <laughs> old and also spending like 60% of the movie in crazy distracting prosthetics on his face. Uh, Gosh. Michael Douglas is looking like really skinny and frail. I think this was right after, do you remember he had throat, he had throat cancer? cancer? Yeah, yeah, I think it do was. Do you remember why he said he had throat cancer? I feel yeah. like we just talked about this the other day for some, some reason. Did we? Yes, like within the past week, this has come up. <laughs> okay, well, for anyone who may not know, he thinks that uh, it, um, he got throat cancer from HPV 
for because he was always going down on his much younger, more attractive wife. He wanted us to know so that. throwing her under the bus. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Not like, Christ. I'm so thankful this person lets me anywhere near them, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's her fault. Right. Yeah, yeah. Thank it's you for raising our so, children yeah, together yeah, yeah. and staying with me. Yeah. And By the way, I need everyone to know that I do this. <laughs> well, man of my age is not a given, you know. <laughs> you know, he is the star of multiple movies to show his like masculine virility, right? Like that the kind of of masculinity that just makes ladies go crazy. Basic instinct. <laughs> yeah. Like I've definitely seen his butt a couple totally. times, yeah. So, I mean, in some ways it's very much like wow um that he's playing this character and that he does it so he commits so so well to it and there's at no the one thing i really liked about this movie is at no point it's all about camp but i wouldn't call the movie itself campy yes. it never like looks it winks at the camera there's never mm -hmm. any moment like that like you know dan Aykroyd in that crazy wig rob lowe we'll talk about later he's bananas but like at no point does anyone be like, oh, where, 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 where? you know, like fingers yeah, to the like, camera. Uh, psychologically, yeah. it seems realistic. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. I it's, think that's a really good point. And it allows it, us to kind of like think about the nuances of this relationship, which is really complicated and like colored by like, again, like a power and wealth differential. Also the fact that like Libracci is a public figure and closeted. Yeah. Um, also the fact that like, the um scott character has had like this sort of like broken complicated home life and like maybe is looking for sort of a father figure like it's all very messy and um again like nuanced but also like you can totally see that there was a real bond and real love there um yeah which maybe wouldn't have been possible again like you were saying if it if they allowed it to get kind of silly and campy and like in terms of like the characters and the relationships. So um, one thing that I kind of uh, was, I had forgotten about, but watching it today, and the, uh, the part where it is kind of like fun and like the honeymoon, relatively brief, like yeah. <laughs> the middle like 50 minutes of this movie, they're like, like that is some of the most savage passive aggression I've seen uh, actors perform against each other. Yeah. Well, we get really quick like, into like Scott's. There, there's like they're having fun for a little bit. Yeah. Well, we get really quick into like Scott's transformation, right? Like in terms of which is like multifaceted. There's like a montage where Scott and Lee are out like buying cars and suits and jewelry, and um, then he starts like wearing that that driving suit scott does that is matching liberace's outfits so again we're kind of like seeing what happened with the former boyfriend where he's like wearing like the white sequiny driving hat and jacket and then we kind of move into the um plastic surgery stuff which is oh even, even before we even get into the plastic surgery it's already like you can tell it's it's humiliating to see uh scott caked in makeup in a ridiculous costume acting as the chauffeur for the stage show but i don't think it's depicted as like a shameful thing for him like i think he's he's, he's into it something to do right? yeah 
yeah, I, I think he's, I, yeah, I wish this part had been flushed out a little more, but I definitely get the sense that he wanted responsibility and to mm -hmm. do something and to like have a job because you don't get the sense that he was bad at his job taking care of dogs like he knew what right. he was doing he was very capable uh and yeah. now here he is where he's just gotta like wear um you know pool leisure wear which he does fabulously and hats off to good the work if you can get runners. it <laughs> <laughs> there's like crystals on his junk in that like little black bathing suit and it's just like they're so beautifully placed right. like you know that like some assistant costume designer like do i put more like do i do i like you know flail them out do i make it an air like how do i yeah they're probably meetings upon meetings about like crystal placement on a crop <laughs> like uh, but they just it's so well done all of these outfits that he's wearing but you can tell at different points he just wants this sense of like yeah that's and an acknowledgement of, of what he's doing is important totally that's so true because i feel like Liberace says to him at some point like you can do whatever what do you want to do be my assistant like i don't you know i'll i'll, I'll give you money no matter what kind of yeah thing. i'm gonna pay you to be my friend regardless so. yes <laughs> so you're right he kind of does ask for these um additional responsibilities um so but, uh, i guess it really where the wheels start coming off and starts getting crazy is after the uh, the Carson appearance yes, yes. where Lee sees himself and thinks he looks old. Mm -hmm. Like a withered up Dorian Gray or something like that. Yeah, yeah like watching <laughs> Dorian Gray wither before my eyes or something. So that led to fucking Rob Lowe in this movie. Beautiful. What's up with that? Beautiful. That was... So he did tape his face, he has said in interviews. That's why he looks okay. so bananas. Partially Rob Lowe, though, there, there's a guy who knows a little something about uh, fucked up relationship dynamics. Truth, yeah. You remember that, actually, it is weird that, I guess maybe it was like just past the, the era where we, or just before the era where we started keeping track, but yeah, Rob Lowe, for some reason, he got, yeah, he got like a, a get out of jail free card. It's like, all right, Rob Lowe. You're like, he's so cute in Parks and Rec. It's okay that you had sex with a minor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pre-internet. Yeah, like, like, that maybe affected his career for like a year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we can, we can have a whole like other conversation about <laughs> white dudes never really get canceled. But, he, and he's definitely like at the top of that list. Yes. Um, but he's, yeah, he, he, yeah. <laughs> he's definitely he comes back in this with this um so yeah it's one of these like for me it felt like this morality quiz or like a tale of like who's really at fault here is it lee for bringing scott to this half the doctor yeah. yeah is it the doctor for prescribing basically speed um as which he repeatedly guy. assures him is neither addictive nor harmful. Although at some point he says we don't actually we don't have enough evidence to really know if it's addictive or not. <laughs> but yes, but yeah. So the doctor again, hundred percent, gets him on the drugs. Which, um, yeah. Which so we start seeing a change in Scott at this point. Other than the fact that first he loses all the weight that he put on while eating constantly in the first act of the movie. Those paninis uh, are so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if someone was course, bringing me sandwiches poolside, yeah. I would have a problem. 
Um, but yeah, so the plastic surgery stuff though. So yeah, so Liberace, Ugh. again, yeah. he seeks out the surgery first dark. and he gets a facelift so extreme that he cannot close his eyes, which terrifies Scott in the night, which I, I liked that. It terrifies uh, me in the night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. reasonable. Kathleen, I feel, like, I feel like you're like, oh, Scott didn't like a little plastic surgery, <laughs> a little crybaby doesn't like uh, the old man staring at him while sleeping. Yeah, it turns out yeah, a person snoring it. with their eyes closed is a horrifying, horrifying thing. <laughs> that um, is, yeah, that is a lot. But yeah, but we're kind of burying the lead in that uh, Liberace asks to get Scott's chin implants and nose job, et cetera, to look like himself. Yes. He literally shows Rob Lowe a portrait on velvet, I believe, oh. of a young Is there Liberace. any other country? <laughs> and I did, Not in Vegas, baby. <laughs> I feel like this is like, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but like, I feel like there are a number of instances where Liberace doesn't actually like say the thing that he wants, but like we'll hint at it and everybody knows what he means, which I think goes, you know, is in character as being like a, a closeted gay man, but where it's like, you know, he's not gonna say like, make him look like a young me, but. Make him look like this handsome painting. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's also uh, like really, really manipulative. Like it's super, yeah, it's, it's just this like, cause later on when he's like, oh, you take all the pills, what's the matter with you? And it's like, well, who? Who right. told me to take the pills in the first place? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so um, so he gets, Scott gets the surgery to have his, his nose changed um, to look more like the Brachis. And then he, you know, he's like, just can you throw a little something extra in there for me? Can I get this chin dimple? And they're like, oh, well, all right. Even though the Brachi did not have a well, chin dimple. Bravo didn't want to give him that chin dimple, but he acquiesced. But man, oh man, like, they're, they're around the midpoint of this movie, I like this was the the part where I started to like lose track of whatever psychological forces were guiding these characters because <laughs> like I'm like earlier I'm like oh I can see he's kind of manipulating Scott that's no good I understand how he's doing it's kind of like in like a gentle suggestive way but then like half an hour later it's you know everybody's getting plastics like graphic plastic surgery. And I, I have no idea what Lee's deal with his mom is. And uh, that was probably the darkest part for me. Yeah, it starts getting kind of kind of dark and grotesque, I guess, at, at this point. Um, I, have to, I have to say, I feel like, so we also learn more about Lee's relationship with his mother, kind of. But I had a difficult time unpacking all that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't quite yeah. sure what the point of... The, that there, there was one thing that really stuck with me is when his mom mentions that he had a twin oh really he was born dead <laughs> like i could understand where that you know could have something to do with uh lee's Need hot dog and tendencies. Yeah. but like i think i was still just like shook up from the whole plastic surgery thing i was just like why well, can't what's going on with his mom yeah. i would have loved like one line or like one scene with a sibling because he had a bunch and they were clearly still in the mix even though at one point i think the mother's like oh don't call your sister or something like that right and, but it would have been interesting to see more of that family dynamic but clearly you have two people scott and lee who are 
you know, are, who have who have trauma, you know, like un unprocessed trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, the the character that needed to come in. You know what? I just figured out what behind the candelabra too is. <laughs> It's just a fucking therapist comes in and <laughs> sorts everybody out. Because they're just like two very, very traumatized people for different reasons, like guided towards each other. And of course it's going to blow up. But, you know, of course they're going to be like, this is normal. I'm going to get plastic surgery to look like you. And I'm going to adopt you. And everything's going to be great. And what could go wrong? Right, yeah. right. Even if like, I feel like even if Scott wasn't taking massive amounts of amphetamines and cocaine, I still feel like, in that relationship, he would have been a perpetually nervous wreck who mm -hmm. was like, would be unable to constantly doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think that was also there to illustrate. I mean, it did happen in real life, but it helped. Wait, like, I feel like I've seen the shades of that. I mean, I feel like it, it helps show though too that this wasn't purely, like it was more complicated than Liberace just isolating this person and making him completely dependent on him but that there was because he even though it was even though it was his fault that he gets hooked on these pills you know at some point he's like i think you're addicted to them like like you can tell that he is like he he doesn't want him to be taking these drugs just to stick around yeah still the think think back once again how differently this would have played with michael douglas sitting next to like Paul Dano in 2013. Also, like, the adoption <laughs> that he wants to adopt oh, a 42 God. year old. Uh, well, I mean, again, what? but uh. it, it looks pretty weird. Yeah, I, don't, I wasn't yeah. sure what the adoption was about because there is like there is a history before gay marriage is legal in the in the 70s and 80s of of adult men adopting their partners to have those legal rights. But if anything, you find out later that like the first thing when they split, the first thing he wants to do is just like, make sure that he doesn't have access to anything. Of right. Liberace, right. So I wasn't sure what, what the motivation for that was. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not like horrified by it. If it's just a, like, I want to make sure you're taken care of. I want to make sure we can see each other at the hospital. I was like, oh, right. okay, I'm here. But it's never, nothing is that sweet or straightforward. Yeah. And we see that again when, like, not long after that, a Vegas tourist is like, are you Liberace's son? Uh, yeah, and they're all very excited about it. Yeah. That seems that to, like, placate him when they're having that argument later. He, he is, like, genuinely pleased that someone would think that they were right. a family. Yeah. Um, really quick about adult adoptions, though. Um, yeah, I think there there is like a weird history um, of adult uh, adoptions. Yeah, um, Mary Baker Eddy had a, adopted a, a 40 year old son when she was like 62. And he was like a doctor. It's just like okay. apparently a non, you know, sexual relationship. Just like Steven Tyler, those, both like, with the why? Boston connection there. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. Like, like um, you were saying about the the gay couples in the 70s and 80s, just like something that is legally binding you and, and financially or um, otherwise and giving somebody rights or both of you rights in certain situations. But um, uh, but yeah, but this adoption was not successful and I feel like they don't really explain Yeah, it was why. never finalized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to wonder if it was just like one of the many things dangled in front of him as like, we're gonna be together forever and yes. then never followed through on. Totally.
Yeah, I think and, that. And you have to think that even though he doesn't show up often in the movie, um, Dan Aykroyd as the, the manager is there just making sure that for all the romantic promises. <laughs> right. <laughs> only certain <laughs> things are going in writing. <laughs> in Dak, Dan Aykroyd and his insane wigs defense, I will say, <laughs> He made a cat when he was on screen. Man, he uh, asks to speak to Scott on the telephone and so tells good. him to mind his own fucking business. It's like, so ooh, ooh, he's in that receiver uh, back. Scott, fuck off. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Canadian accent. It's um, so amazing. Well, it's just like such a good, I mean, and even like today when you see any sort of documentary or, or any sort of footage of like people that are that famous the teams that are around them where like their whole livelihood depends on one person's ability to perform or do whatever right so, like a new boyfriend is really gonna get in your way real fast yeah yes. yeah yeah <laughs> totally totally all the handlers yeah. um, um let's see so he gets like more again the drug addiction is kind of spir spiraling out of control yeah, he's, he's selling all his jewelry. He's hanging out with his, with his uh, drug dealer buddies. Drug dealer. Oh, the know, camera also angles, kind of fun. Yeah, the yeah. camera angles are starting to get weird and blurry. Yeah. To let you know. A little they, over the top. Yeah. Really? Yeah, they really the go for it. The just like wobbling. It's like, we get it. He's very yeah. fucked the, up right now. There, there was one scene where, yeah, where it won't, the camera won't come off of uh, Scott, but we hear his friend talking and I'm like, are we not supposed to know who his friend is? <laughs> like, it doesn't and then there's a long shot and it's just like some drug dealer dude. You're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting way to frame it. Um, and around this time- the Soderbergh touch. Yeah, around this time too is when um, we see that Liberace's eye is straying and that he's kind of using the same tactics that he did originally with Scott to kind of oh. talk to some younger dudes. We, we, so see, we see it replay. Yeah, it's the same stories and the same... Oh, I'll take you on the tour of the mansion oh. here. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, here's what's interesting. Here you do actually get a sort of age-appropriate actor. Right. Character. But I feel like because your, your attention and your sympathies at this point are aimed at Scott, that scene where the two of them are on opposite sides of the stage... He looks so sinister. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> like singing with basically like the hands across America chorus. <laughs> like I'm coming in and I'm stealing Liberace. I'm so, so manipulative. Right. Oh yeah. The glaring, they, they br briefly glaring also it. said what the name of that act is. And I, it was like, it was like America's youth or some shit. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Could not pay me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also like, I think it was interesting too how much they brought in like specific sort of like sexual uh, desires and preferences into like the relationship dynamics. Two consecutive scenes. One where Lee asked if they can see other people. And then the next scene immediately is Lee accusing oh so furious yeah yeah it's such gaslighting um, yeah <laughs> yeah it's fucked well yes he's also you know um fucking that young man from the horrible opening act too. but also what i mean is like in terms of like specifically like being a bottom versus the top and how like scott's like i will never allow you to like penetrate me like i don't 
I don't like that. And like that kind of like pisses Liberace off, but it also like pisses Scott off that um, Liberace likes to watch porn. So it's yeah. like this interesting yeah. sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, and then when he's trying to get him to do poppers, I wasn't sure what the, if the poppers oh, were supposed to be like. I didn't get that. I, I, I thought that. that how, like, I thought that he was like, going to try to. I thought he was going to try to switch their positions. Uh, and that's what he was. I thought that's why he didn't want to do the poppers. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah. Also, one thing that they mentioned a little bit earlier that this is something I don't know anything about and was like, what? I'm horrified, but also curious. He said, uh, Lee says something about having some sort of penis implants or something. Oh, yeah. So he has some sort of like mechanical erection. I couldn't tell if that was to cover for the fact that he was actually doing some sort of drug to help with his performance, but like saying that you have some sort of implant is not really a, <laughs> a better I, answer. I thought that that was legit because I don't think that they had like, I mean, I think that if you... Oh, no, they 100% did have drugs. I just read this whole thing about Peter Sellers and when he was uh, married to um, I, Brit something. What's her name? Eklund. Eklund, yeah. But he was mm. like, that's like probably what killed Peter Sellers is that he was taking all these weird drugs so that he could have sex. Well, yeah. yeah, what... All right. I, I still... Uh, okay. I, I still got the impression... I don't think that you would say you have implants in your penis if you don't. That's weirder than taking drugs yeah, no, when you I see mean, them. I agree. Especially when he's got a fucking bowl of poppers next to the bed, apparently. I um, mean, what other way do you welcome guests to your home? <laughs> yeah. I, I threw out the poppers the day that this pandemic came through. I was like, yeah. no, <laughs> no, no use for these. I just think, you know, like he clearly has its own private... Um, you know, he's got Rob Lowe, uh, you know, on retainer for whatever his his plastic surgery needs are. He's got his own private doctor later when he gets sick. Like, yeah. I think there's like no one saying no to someone that wealthy and that famous. So if there was even sort of some sort of experimental anything, uh, he was going to do it. And probably everyone was going to tell him that it was fine and it was safe to try. And yeah. whether or not it messed with him later, who knows? That's a great point. Yeah. Um, all right, so I guess kind of like moving to the end of the movie. Um, so Scott sues Liberace for, for palimony after he gets kind of kicked out of the house. Oh, um, the whole way he gets kicked out is just so, it's like, you knew it was uh, coming. Yeah. It's such a, yeah, he, it's like, he has to go, but. Oh, uh, uh, it's just so painful to watch. It's so humiliating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I will say, like, there was never, as much as, like, Scott kind of dis descends into drug addiction, he never becomes sort of, like, addicted to the lifestyle. Um, like, he's never like, oh, no, I can't not have my, I mean, I know he tries to kind of get some of the stuff in that lawsuit, but it's not because he's become so accustomed and so pampered that he can't imagine his life any other way like he seems to pretty seamlessly transition to just being this like normal guy living in like a small but apartment. I because, really because i thought that uh the desperate attempt <laughs> to sue for shit that he had sold for drugs year ago did not seem like a smooth transition into civilian life but uh it's interesting when he was like i'm coming for my stuff and you could argue <laughs> that none of it is his stuff right because yeah, yeah. 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 argues it's there. literally they, they he gets three garbage bags <laughs> so it's like 
<laughs> like just yeah, like tossed at him. Um, yeah, and again, it's notable that there are no legal protections in this situation. And again, just like hearing him struggle to like explain what their relationship is, it was like you know, it was sexual at first until he became a father figure to me, and then it it wasn't, yeah. which is not exactly you know, it's obviously a lot messier than that, but they're just again they're like there's no contract there there's no yeah there's no yeah there's no protections there's no anything and then like the thing that really um i love to kind of like put a little period on the end of the sentence for me was when he's talking to his lawyer paul riser yes yeah also paul riser what (laughs) also being like yes i'll take this job for five minutes to be in a secret movie i thought it was gonna turn out to be bad like an alien for five minutes yeah uh and at the end of it he was like I called Billy Leatherwood and he got more than this. And I was yes. like, oh, yeah. of course you yeah. should have. Yeah, like, oh my God, I want to, I want to see him again. Yeah. I really, I, yeah, I really wanted to see that like deleted scene of the two of them talking. <laughs> I totally didn't pick up on that or notice that line. That's yeah, that's uh, so good. Yeah. I, Did his I research. Like but yeah, so kind of ends up with nothing. And he moves, he moves away, Scott moves away back to LA maybe? I'm not entirely sure where he goes to his, uh, his tiny apartment. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere decidedly less glamorous. Yes. Than, uh... mm-hmm. In a very clear, I don't know why I kept coming back to uh, Boogie Nights. It, it felt like it was- I thought about like, Boogie Nights a lot. Right? Boogie Nights adjacent, like yeah. it's very like, it's the 80s and we're trying to stop doing coke. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right, like the apartment, his hair, his outfit. Members only jacket. Oh my God, that's so true. (laughs) Everything's just like a little tidied up and. Yeah, uh, Yeah, definitely very uh, Boogie Nights uh, Coke spiral prior to that though. For sure, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, So uh, like at this point, the movie kind of turns over just to what happens next and uh, this like doesn't necessarily connect like thematically with the plot, but again, this is about some shit that actually happened not that long ago. So Lee uh, ha- dies of complications from AIDS, mm-hmm. and the uh, death certificate does not reflect that because of his dedication to. Yeah, he's so <laughs> secret that he's gay. Yeah, like all of the people who are like, I don't, I wonder if they were like, it's a little bit like staying on the payroll. It's a little bit like mm-hmm. wanting to protect the legacy as they saw it. But, you know, they have that doctor come in and say that he had a heart attack and they have him embalmed super quickly. And then oh, like, yes. oh, 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 horrifying, hold on. Let, let's, let us not brush over the fact that uh, one of the contributing facts, uh, Factors of his death may have been anemia from a watermelon diet. You know that watermelon diet every time. I had to Google yeah. watermelon diet after that. I was like, tell me more. Oh, what'd you find? <laughs> it was just like, I think it was just another diet, like that the diet. cauliflower diet, the grapefruit diet, you know, like yeah. everything. But how's it Sometimes when it's like 100 degrees, like it was two days ago. <laughs> sure. Watermelon diet doesn't sound that bad. Great. Just be um, careful with that watermelon diet and kid have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so his handlers are like totally covering it up. Um, but yeah, again, like interesting that like even after death, kind of what's the 
motivation there. Um, and we also just kind of see um, Scott at a bookstore where first he's flipping through Liberace's book where it's talking about how he was in love with this uh, woman or like the love of his life was this woman, this ice skater. And then- More bullshit. Uh, and then like we see the newspaper in the background from that day was about, you know, Rock Hudson. About Rock Hudson. Death. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I can see why he would want to, well, here's a man who didn't even want to take off his wig when he was having surgery, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Really we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Like he clearly wanted to keep the illusion and the persona going no matter what. And Rock Hudson's a, a, a sad example of what happened when you, admit that you have AIDS in that time period, like how completely ostracized he was and- and But what wasn't that like a huge positive step in some ways though? It was, like, it was. He, he was, he broke down so many doors and he did amazing things, but he paid a price for it. Yes, yeah, 100%. And his, his reputation suffered. And I mean, and it's so wacky that now you have this Netflix show where like a character is Rock Hudson, as if he had been out this whole time, like how his life might have been different. Right. Like, right. So, you know, it's it's interesting how we think about Rock Hudson now, but at the time, a lot of people were super not pleased with him. So I'm sure that like, you know, Liberace made such a career off of like, even though, you know, we saw in that first scene, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. Right. So can't be all so of these women. Women. Yeah. yeah. All of and these women who were just so obsessed with him and how, he felt even in death he couldn't he couldn't tell the truth yeah and i feel like that sort of underscores the whole movie and like what makes this movie so good is that it's not like we're seeing him deal with allegations of because it was like in the tabloids and like the um again the 50s and 60s that like he was maybe gay and whatever we, we don't see him publicly dealing with any of that it's just sort of like in the undercurrent, you know it's there. Like, and it, there is that conversation that he's having in his dressing room where he's talking about Jane Fonda's outspoken politics. And he says, you know, it's not our business to change the world. And that, you know, kind of just like encapsulates his whole worldview where it's like, I'm an entertainer. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to come out. Like, it's not even a, something that he's grappling with or discusses. Yeah, it would never happen. It would never even occur to him. And yeah, like, yeah and he directly, he sued anyone who said otherwise. Yeah, totally. So, yesterday, um, I read a profile on the famous AIDS activist Larry Kramer. Yeah. And I kept thinking about it, watching like all of the diversions, like in that scene, for example, where Lee says that like people shouldn't be taking stands or anything. There was nobody Larry Kramer hated more and got angrier at than closeted homosexuals who would not help the cause mm -hmm. and it was just like i would not like as a like just cisgendered heterosexual white man i would not think of it through that lens necessarily had i not read that article last what night do mean, like, what do you mean so what do you mean like the through the, the lens of of a progress like thinking of a progressive activist at the time, someone who was actually uh, oh, like that voice. Those voices were like out there at the time. Is that what you mean? Like yeah, yeah. The, the, the fact that that there were people trying to like make strides and open doors towards what was acceptable and what we can talk about, and to think that one of the 
the highest paid entertainer of the 1950s is a devout Catholic and like, you know, closeted till his dying day, you know? It's, it's just, it's a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah. Um, ba bum yeah, anything else we want to say about like the plot? I mean, so the movie ends pretty much after, well, I guess, <laughs> I guess Liberace calls Scott. And so there's like this final, you know, kind of goodbye scene where he says he, he made him the happiest. And it's clear that Liberace's kind of like, also like, you're okay though, right? Like kind of wants to make sure that Scott didn't get sick. Yeah. It, I, I don't believe that that really happened. Yes. <laughs> it feels like a nice little bow to tie on it. But I, yeah. I really like the end with the, the idea that they're at this like very ordinary church. Um, but then, you know, Scott's fantasy of what, uh, you know, the real Liberace funeral would look like is like back in that Vegas show. And, that, yeah. and he comes out in that outfit with that giant cape. And it's just like, and he oh, finally yeah. flies it's, up into the yeah, <laughs> which like at some point it's earlier thrilling the, though. It is actually thrilling to watch. And at it's some point earlier in the movie, they did. He was talking about Liberace was talking about how you know like the next step is going to be to fly in one of his stage performances, which I think he he actually really did. But um, but yeah, so he's like it's like Michael Douglas on a rope being, uh, yeah. Uh, again, though, it is a. I do feel like it is a little sentimental, and they. A little bit of a cold punch at the end there, but um, like obviously it's a complicated, it was a complicated relationship, but I do feel also kind of like Boogie Nights, it ends on an almost unearned high note. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad you know truth I mean? of Scott's story is like, it's not like. And then everything was fine. And he yeah. definitely didn't go to jail a bunch of times after that. Like, he, because he did. Right. But yeah, I, um, it was very, yeah, it, it was this very sweet moment. You know, for me, it, it kind of bounced back to that moment where right after his foster mother dies and, and Lee's so nice to him and he bursts into tears because he's like, I forgot how it was when we were nice to each yeah. other. Like, oh, oh, so heartbreaking. But but then what yeah. he says immediately after that is, don't worry about it. Take as long as you need so before I you come you back yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> but you do see this like brief moment of their sort of, you know, there, it, it does give you the sense that this was a relationship while totally not at times very unhealthy and mm -hmm. straight up not okay um <laughs> were two people not not cool yeah. um but they were two people that definitely cared about each other or at least the movie gives you that sense later yes on. yeah um so they want you to walk away being like these were two people who loved each other um at one point in their lives yeah and yeah. it was serious enough for both to be the the big relationship in their lives yeah for sure uh uh what 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 have you got, Kathleen? Um, I was thinking, I know we kind of talked about this in the beginning, but I was thinking about like Liberace's legacy a little bit again, just because, yeah, I, I feel like I had some like pop culture, vague knowledge of him again, being like the sequiny showman, but in just sort of reading about him, it's just like really crazy to think that he was like as famous as Elvis and like Frank Sinatra in the 50s and 60s and just like has not, and endured as like a relevant 
pop culture figure. And I don't know if that has more to do with like the type of music he played and not totally being like passe now. Cause again, like that sort of like stage persona has, has persisted. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think that it's, I don't think it's necessarily about the like camp factor. I think a lot of it is that what Liberace was playing, like so many other top selling artists of the 1950s and 60s, he's playing standards. Like, you know, if when you go to a thrift store and you see like somebody's grandparents' record collection, there's like those like Camelot soundtracks, some Sinatra, some Dean Martin, some there's a lot of stuff like Liberace in there where it's familiar material arranged in kind of like a jaunty contemporary 1950s, 60s style that now just sounds like impossibly quaint in pre-rock and roll terms and just doesn't have, like, yeah. I can't account for like Sinatra, but I guess, you know, his his voice was his, was part of it. He had a voice and a persona that I yeah, think, it's uh, like the performance is less tied to the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know? But uh, it is interesting to think about. Also, like I said, going into this, I knew what like I knew. I can't name like a Liberace song. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, he plays the Impossible Dream during litigation. It's Love Is Blue. Uh, it's like. It's recognizable music, but a lot of it, it's, it's like it's like public domain stuff, you know? It's, yeah. It's yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting, rock, like, uh, in the movie, there were a number of times where, like, it was clear that, like, Liberace himself was very aware of the fact that he was, like, he had, like, made all these innovations in performance where, you know, he talked about, like, oh, I invented, like, looking at the, the camera. You know, <laughs> one of his more outrageous claims yeah. that yeah, but he like, invented looking into the camera on television. But I'm like, no, I think he was the first one to look at the camera on a, like a regular basis in a show like that to be like, let me just look right at the camera. I mean, there were so many producers who were like, whatever you do, don't look at the camera. And, <laughs> and then finally he was like, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, and also like the control that he had over his like costumes and like the again like the set design. Um, he knew all of that was like part of the show, obviously, or like part of what people were consuming, um, and that it wasn't just what he was playing on the piano, which again is kind of basic standards. But again, like just thinking about his enduring legacy, it's what, it's interesting. Yeah, and it, it is actually I would say there is kind of a bridge between. Again, what I was referring to is kind of like old timey showbiz razzmatazz mm -hmm. and the kind of slicker, like multi sensory thing you're going to see if you go to, for example, like Lady Gaga's Vegas residency. Yeah. There's a connection. Oh, oh yeah, it's all there. I don't, I unfortunately, I don't think his legacy is going to be about him himself. Like already his museum got sort of moved and there was something that happened with his museum where it's like oh, not really? anymore, something like that. Huh. And I think people are just not gonna I mean, think Liberace, but the things that he thought about or what made him such a great show person are things that are going to persist. Yeah, you know, and totally. you saw it immediately in the '70s and '80s with with some of these bigger acts, 
you know, yeah. sequins and the and the overdone everything and the overdone lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, one other fun fact. Uh, I had written down, this would have made it a very, very different movie, but I guess originally Warren Beatty had planned to direct this movie with Robin Williams and Justin Timberlake. So like what you said, Kira, like a young, uh, a young pop star, but these are terrible I, actors. So I feel like that I think it would have sucked. <laughs> I think it's much better that we ended up with Michael Douglas, Matt Damon, and Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, I just, I, I can't help but think that, you know, we were saying that Steven Soderbergh worked so hard to make this movie because people were like, oh, it's too gay. I don't know that any of those people would have given it the same, yeah, the same seriousness or the same, the same feeling of um, what. What's, well, what's the last good movie that that Warren Beatty directed? Like, it's not fucking Dick Tracy. Uh, I don't even know what he's directed past like the seventies. Uh, I recently saw Bullworth, which was from like maybe about two thousand. Is that not um, age well? I feel like that probably didn't age well. Not as bad as you'd think. Okay, but um, <laughs> there, I mean, there's a re- like, so he's a senator who raps. That's his whole thing. He's rapping what? terribly, <laughs> terribly the whole movie, and it's fucking painful. It's horrible. But and this, also, and this aged fine. <laughs> all I'm saying is that this it's is like a, Hamilton. <laughs> this is like a 1999 studio picture with a major star of the 70s that uses uh, the phrase universal health care several times in the movie All right. and uh, portrays, some of the... portrays Democrats as like, you know, the essentially what they've become in 2020. Um, do either of you guys have any final, final thoughts or? Substance abuse report. And that too. I would, I would just like to see Scott Bakula and more things. Um, yeah. Isn't the informant also with Matt Damon and Steven Soderbergh? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. He's I think that was- and other than that, the only thing we pause, I could know Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap, right? Like Quantum Leap is like, for me, that was like, that was my jam growing up. So I definitely was I into it. <laughs> seen like four of them. There was a time it was on like, deep basic cable syndication, but uh, it's so good. That's the bacula I know. <laughs> it's so good. Count bacula. Scott bacula forever. 70s Scott bacula forever. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like there was just, I, I feel like, um, you know, Soderbergh was like, do y'all want to be in my movie? about Liberace and everyone was like, yes, we definitely do. And then he was like, by the way, I'm gonna like actually try really hard on it. And they were like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone except for Scott Bakula was like, okay, we'll take pay cuts. <laughs> Scott Bakula's like, I will take my regular fee. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Kathleen, if you don't have any objections, I'm just gonna run down briefly the various uh, substances consumed in the movie. All right, let's let's do it. Substance use report. Substance use report, here we go. All right. Well, yeah, some some of this could be arguably, some of this is used. (laughs) You be the judge. (laughs) 
Who's to say? Yeah. Cigarettes, alcohol, mm -hmm. poppers, quaaludes. Yes, there was like, that was in the foreground at one point on one of the pill bottles. It's like, okay. Yeah, quaaludes. And then the other one was amphetamines. I forget what the brand name was, <laughs> but it was amphetamines and cocaine. No, uh, no heroin or LSD in this movie, but, uh, you know, it makes sense. It hit a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just goes to show, chemical problems are universal. Regardless of your scene. Is that what, what you mean? <laughs> I feel like all the movies you guys have talked you about, it, when there's drugs in it, it follows the same sort of like act one, act two, act three. Yeah. Like, <laughs> act two is like, the drugs are fun or are they? And then act three is when like everything gets blurry. Yeah, like like somebody's yelling at someone with like a dirty ashtray, you know? <laughs> or Matt Damon Someone's is, life is puking destroyed. in a white fur coat in the back of a porno theater. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. <laughs> Very dark. Um, yeah, well, oh, and we introduced this last week. <clears throat> How would you guys rate this movie on a, a scale of uh, one to four La Bambas? I'm going to give this one three La Bambas. I think that it was, it was a little bit too long, and the middle was like a little more psychologically punishing than I had planned on, but I thought it was well shot, well acted. I'm gonna give it three La Bambas. Great. Yeah, I agree. I would say three out of four La Bambas. Uh, for especially our um, set design, production design, costume design, uh, Great hair visual. and makeup, everyone looked amazing without, even Rob Lowe, who was totally overdone, was still, uh, I still feel like it was just the right amount. Um, <laughs> Like, you know and there I, are plastic surgeons that look yeah, yeah. like and that like every, When everyone starts to get, um, <laughs> I remember doing like a college production where they put Vaseline on our faces to make us look like plastic uh -huh. dolls. And I felt like <laughs> that was used a lot here um, to great effect. So I think it, it was beautifully shot. And I think everyone, <laughs> I was about to say something very like, good job. Like everyone tried their hardest. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it was well acted and, and, but I, again, the biggest thing that, that it came uh, out of it for me is one, like, oh, how damaged everyone is here. And two, I'm not sure how amazing of a musician Liberace was. Um, and, I, and I think that's really telling about the, the way he was famous and what, yeah. what, kind of, what kind of career he was having at that point. Totally. That's what I'm saying. One thing that I do think is neat about him is that as he's portrayed in the movie to an extent, we don't know that much about him really. Right. We know what he tells us. He's like, my mother played, made me practice, practice every day. Now when I play, it's- But that's like, what I think that this movie is so cool. Cause it's like, again, he's already, you know, this is like the last 10 years of his life. He's He's been famous for a long time. He's a legend We're already. totally meeting him through the lens of somebody else who's not famous. And that must be what it's like to like, get close to a famous person like they're already sort of calcified in their fame and like you can probably only really know so much about them like we were, we've been saying and so, it's work right like work is work um, yeah. regardless of like how famous or how cool your job is like he's got all these pianos in his house and he says that he never plays them except when he's on stage yeah so he's not some sort of like 
I'm always practicing, you know, like I'm always going to try and be my best. That is not his goal. Um, he's not trying to write new songs. He's not. Yeah. Uh, it feels mean to say like he's not an artist in, no, in that the, stereotypical sense. Or is that like the music so, that drives yeah. his art? It's like the performance. Um, he yeah. carved his own path though. And that right. is deeply admirable. Um, but yeah, you guys, I'm on the same exact page. Three out of four. Labambas right, for me. So that averages out to three three Labambas. <laughs> sure. <laughs> nice average. Good math, Ryan. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else we wanna we wanna say for wrapping up? I wanna say thanks for joining us, Kira. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Kira, anything you wanna plug other either your own projects or Ooh, um I wanna plug um Anyone who's not feeling creative right now, um, yeah. I, I want to plug that I see you and I feel you. Um, <laughs> a lot of that going around. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I'm I'm honestly trying to think about what I want to work on next. So um, yeah, I don't have anything to plug at the moment except uh, the validation of anyone else who is not feeling it at the moment. Here, here. <laughs> but yes, I that is a solid plug, and I relate. Yeah, get in touch if you want to collaborate, I guess I should, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kira, and we'll catch you next time. All right. On, on Rock and Roll Film Club. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye.